Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean and Joe Howie here to break down your number 22 in the nation, Providence Friars. That's right, Friars made the top 25 of the AP poll this week. Their first time in the poll since 20, 2016. January, February 2016. So it's yep. been a while, but they're back one spot ahead of Villanova. They do have a game against Georgetown this week. We're going to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about this poll. What were your thoughts, Joe? I mean, you know, I, I talked a lot last night about don't rank us, don't rank us, don't rank us. Um, I, I still think it holds true that it, it's kind of shoddy that we get an AP top 25 ranking only after we beat 20th ranked UConn like I think that's shallow and lousy like we were 10 and 1 going into that with three quadrant one wins like throw us a bone like we deserved a ranking weeks ago but I'll take it this is the first time since I've been a Friar fan that I've seen the team ranked I think you know 22 is appropriate Um, I think it's an added plus that UConn fell out of the rankings too you know (laughs) Um, but yeah no definitely happy I, I, I do think though that when you take a step back and you cool off from the excitement, you have to realize that you're now a team with a target on your back. People want to play you and people want to beat you much more so now than they did before the little 22 was next to your name. Yeah. You're going to have that target on you, especially I mean, you already have it in conference play. And this is only going to add to that. So the Friars will have to weather that storm. I'm mostly shocked here that Providence jumped Villanova. I did not see that coming. Uh, shout out to Ty Seaton in our group chat who predicted that before it happened, said we were going to jump them by one spot, had the Friars Nova at 21 and 22. They end up at 22 and 23. I'm, I mean, I think I think Villanova just got very appropriately ranked at 23. I'm just shocked to actually see the pollsters do it. And basically, I mean, they, they dropped them 14 spots for the losses at Baylor and Creighton. Well, you know, Matt, we talked a lot about Villanova last night, a lot of a lot about their flaws that no one else wants to talk about. And I think this is the first time this season that we're seeing Villanova, you know, get penalized for losing games. They stayed a top top. They were a top 10 team, even with three losses. And I think the Creighton loss is the the realization nationally that, okay, maybe this isn't as crisp of Villanova team as we've seen in years past. I think. And not to beat the dead horse or repeat what I said, but I think there was a lot of preseason expectations revolving around the return of Colin Gillespie. No one took into consideration that he's coming off of a serious injury. It's not like he's fully healthy and decided to return for a fifth year. He decided to return for a fifth year because his season got cut short due to a serious knee injury that required surgery, a walking brace, rehabilitation. He's not coming in as fresh as he used to be. We saw the same thing with Marcus Zagorowski. In the 2019-2020 season, he hurt his knee, had off-season surgery, came back, was projected to be this stud Big East player of the year, and wasn't even considered. And last season, they, they had three Big East players of the year, and Zagorowski wasn't considered to be in any of those spots. So I think you're seeing the same thing unfold with Colin Gillespie. And quite honestly... Villanova just has no answer in t- in the interior. They're, they're just not big. That's the key right there. Gillespie's been good this year, but he hasn't been the otherworldly Big East player of the year type guy who is going to single-handedly will his team to wins because this team has other holes. And that's that's just the reality of where Villanova is 
obviously they're going to play Xavier. That's going to be a huge game. So make sure you're tuned in for that one. I'm looking forward to it. But let's get back to the Friars. They play this Wednesday night, last game before Christmas. They get the home game, 6.30 tip against Georgetown. And this is a Georgetown team that has struggled a lot this year. Has, they're pretty much they're last in the Big East in just about every metric right now. But there's one thing that they do well, and that's shoot the three ball. That, I think, has to be the top top line, maybe the only line of the scouting report for this Friars defense. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Matt. This game scares the hell out of me. It, this <laughs> is a trap game. It's similar to the Vermont game that was uh, – Placed so perfectly after the toughest week of the year with Texas Tech and URI. This one is placed perfectly after uh, a, ro- a really tough road game that I'm sure was exhausting for our players at Connecticut. Monday morning, we're ranked. Tuesday, you go to practice. Wednesday, you're playing Georgetown, who, by the way, we didn't beat last year. Now, given we only played them once, but... It, it, it's still worth noting that they overcame a, a double figures first half deficit to beat us at Georgetown. This was the same Georgetown team that won the Big East crown in Madison Square Garden. Uh, obviously, they're missing a couple of pieces. They've, they've got talent like any Big East game. I mean, this is the easiest Big East game on paper. It's the worst team in the Big East and you get them at home and it's still not a cupcake. you got to go out there and play your game or else they're going to give you one. We saw that last year. I mean, that's that's the one game where A.J. Reeves has played really well that the Friars didn't win in the last couple of seasons. That won at Georgetown last year. And they really got to be on their game. This is a Georgetown team. They've got Caden Rice, Donald Carey, two guys who just love to shoot the ball. And if they're on on a night and your defense isn't what you need it to be, this game can be a lot closer than you would have expected it to be. Georgetown, they beat Syracuse this year, so they're no pushover, even though they're in the basement of the conference right now. That's just how good this conference is this year. Yeah, I I think that speaks volumes as to the quality of opponent that you're going to get night in and night out in the Big East Conference. You know, Georgetown, who currently resides in the basement, is a tough out. Same goes for Marquette, for DePaul, for Creighton, Butler, any team in the lower half of this conference is a tough out, which is why you need to treat every team like they have a little number next to their name, like the Friars. And don't kid yourself. Pat Ewing is prepping his guys right now saying, "Okay, we have a great opportunity for a ranked road win off of an exhausted Providence team that just played their tails off in Hartford. They they see the opportunity. The, the, The ranking just makes the target that much bigger. Exactly. They're going to be coming for you. Now, I will say, I got a little little piece of trivia for you here, Joe. I want to see if you uh, you know this. Do you know the last time that the Friars played Georgetown at home? Was this last time we played them at home? Yeah. Oh, this was the Big East opener in the 2019-2020 season when we beat the doors off them, right? Exactly. Right after that Texas game when the Friars turned the corner, then we got Georgetown, smoked them, beat them 76 to 60. And the game really wasn't even that close. That was New Year's Eve 2019. So that's it's also I mean, this is one of the weird things about the schedule last year. It's been that long since they came to the dunk. The teams have changed so much since that point. It's obviously going to alter things. You're going to get some differences with that. But I think it's absolutely fair to expect and demand a Friars victory here. If you lose this game, that kind of 
counterbalances your win against UConn, and you might see yourself right back out of the rankings in a hurry. Oh, no, I think if we lose this game, we fall out of the top 25 easily, which is why, you know, I'm happy to see us ranked. I think it's long overdue. And, you know, for someone who hasn't seen them ranked during my tenure as a Friars fan, it feels good. You know, it's a nice feeling. On the contrary, though, this it's very vulnerable and valuable. I, I mean, look at Villanova, like. Just because of the historical relevance of that of that team, they they can lose as many games as possible and still remain in the AP top 25. We don't have that luxury because if you lose this game, you're falling right out into the receiving vote section and then everyone's going to be all pissed off Monday morning. But I digress. Um, uh, You made a point, Matt, about Georgetown coming to the Dunkin Donuts Center. I hope it's popping because. You know, we're ranked now. I'm sure there's going to be those Rhode Island bandwagon people that are like, oh, the team is ranked. Let me buy tickets. Um, I just I, I hope the atmosphere can will us to a win as well. I think it helps to play in front of a home crowd. Yeah, it absolutely should. We've seen the dunk really bring the energy this year that the venue has been popping off all year long. And the team has also brought it to an energy. It's been a good combo there. The last time these two teams met at the dunk. There is only one Georgetown player who is still on the roster that played in that game. That's Timothy Ecoefe, and he's not even going to play in this one. Seven-foot center veteran. He broke his hand. He's out. That means that it's Ryan Matumbo, the freshman center, who's probably going to get tasked with battling against Nate Watson and Ed Croswell for long stretches of this game. I mean, how do you feel about that matchup? Um, if I had to condense the entire game, I feel like defensively, just because of his size and length, he'll get a block or two off on Watson and Croswell, but it won't be anything meaningful. It might be like a stuff at the rim or something like that. When it comes to girth, advantage Nate Watson, advantage Ed Croswell, advantage AJ Reeves. The Matumbo kid is skinny. He's He looks like a freshman center, but you know who his dad is. You know who he's coached by. If there's anything that this Georgetown program does well, it's cultivate centers. So uh, I think he'll be competitive. I don't think he'll be dominant. And I think that's where Watson and Croswell will really have the opportunity to to kind of close the door on this one. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, this is a Georgetown team that is really just kind of overmatched for most areas on the floor against Providence again they're not bad but they're just not as good this is a Providence defense that is 55th in the country per Ken Palm Georgetown's offense 92 Providence is often 64 Georgetown's defense 148 really really not great the only thing this team does especially well is shoot the three ball and everything else they're kind of mediocre so I think the Friars are really going to have opportunities to do a really just what they want on offense. I think you can bang down low against them, but I also think your guards are going to get plenty of opportunities too. I, I, I don't, yeah. I think offensively, um, the stats back this up, and, and quite honestly, the intangibles do as well. I think offensively, advantage Friars. Defensively, I, I really think we need to, to lock down the perimeter. Uh, you said, Matt, they're a great three-point shooting team, and this is something we've seen the Friars, the Friars struggle with at points in the season. Take a look at Sacred Heart, Connecticut, um, New Hampshire, like wide open three point looks, deep three point looks for opponents that, you know, are just 
very ill-timed. I mean, timely for the opponent, but ill-timed for us. Uh, I just, I think you got to be keen defensively when it comes to mindful three-point shots. Yeah, and I think you really got to run them off the three-point line as much as you can. I'm assuming that's what Ed Cooley is going to be preaching. And also, I mean, I think you're going to have opportunities to get this Georgetown team flustered and force some turnovers. They're really not that great at holding on to the ball. Not that the Friars actually, for as good as the defenses, are not that good at forcing turnovers. But I think you can really fluster this Georgetown offense, make them take forced shots late in the shot clock, try to keep them out of transition, try not to let them set up and get easy looks. Um, Now, I want to shift gears here for just a second because there's one thing I don't know if we delved deep enough into about that UConn game, but Jared Bynum played in that game, came off the bench. Do we think he's back in the starting lineup against Georgetown, or are they going to stick with that bigger one and have Bynum come off the bench when needed? I think they're going to stick with the bigger lineup. Um, I I also think it throws different looks at teams. You know, Uh, Bynum is obviously a more offensive player. Um, I mean, He's, that's not to say he's a bad defensive player. Like he was pesky. He was poking the ball away. He got he had a couple of steals against Connecticut. But Bynum is in to facilitate the offense. Let's not let's not let lose sight of that. Justin Manaya is in to guard the wing and to guard your forward guys that are are big and long. And he's a disruptive matchup nightmare. So let's not let's not forget the roles of these two players. I think. I always think you should step out at, with a defensive mindset. Once you're comfortable, then you can start settling into your offense. I, I, I always preach good offense or good defense leads to better offense, and I'll stick to it. I think if I'm Ed Cooley, I'm going to stick with what works with Manaya in the starting lineup and Bynum coming off the bench because Bynum also provided a spark offensively. Manaya doesn't do that. Yeah, with the exception of that one game, it was at the Central Connecticut game when Manaya was just on fire shooting the ball. Bynum's your offensive guy. And I, exactly. I think that's a point well taken. We'll see what Ed Cooley decides to do here. This is not uh, that big of a Georgetown lineup. So I think he gives you opportunities to start Bynum if you want to go that way. I don't think there's a wrong decision. And I think who starts is much less important than what ends up happening and who ends up getting the actual minutes. I think that's going to be your most important part here. And that's just going to be about how the game breaks down. The bigger the lead gets for Providence, I think the less Bynum plays and the more you're going to see a defensive centric lineup. I agree. And not to mention in the event, the lead is a cushioned for Providence. I think you could see Bryson Goodine and Alan Breed with some serious backcourt minutes as well. Goodine who didn't play against Connecticut Breed, who only logged 10 minutes. I mean, when in a game like that, it's totally warranted and you can see the, the logic behind it. You want ball handling guards out there. Neither Breed nor Bynum or excuse me, Goodine, neither Breed nor Goodine are the best ball handlers on the team. So by default, you're going to go with Durham and Bynum. I, I think if Providence is holding on to a comfortable lead against the Hoyas, sure, Breed can go in, Goodine can go in. You can experiment and you can you know, play checkers, chess, ho- however you want to call it, with your backcourt. But as it stands, uh, I think Bynum and Durham log the backcourt minutes. I agree. I'd be interested to see if Cooley uses Breed or Goodine at all in a defensive role to get a little bit of extra length out there over somebody like Bynum uh, just to combat some three-point shooting. 
if Georgetown goes on a run, I would not be shocked to see somebody, one of those guys get inserted for those reasons. But yeah, I think the Friars really should be able to handle this team, not with ease, but by the end of this game, we should be able to get a solid 10 or 15 point victory. If all goes your way and you're able to do what you want to do, which I think Providence will be able to, you know, we're going to have somebody from the Georgetown side of things on after this and so make sure you're stay, you stay tuned for that. But Joe, I want to get your predictions for this game. What happens? How does it go? Does the Friars keep that ranking, stay in the top 25 for another week? So the, the, the bottom line answer is yes, I think we're going to win. Um, and I think, you know, I, I won't even talk about next week. I'll talk about Wednesday. I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I, you know, we, we're coming off of an emotionally and physically tolling road game. Like, let's 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 not sugarcoat it. That game was physical. It was physical. It's emotionally taxing to play in front of a, an electric crowd at the XL Center like that. So these players, one, they're coming home. They need a rest day, which I'm, I'm, I'm assuming was Sunday. They get a, an AP top 25 ranking. So that's in the back of their minds, too. And then really two days of preparation before Georgetown comes to town. I think Friars are going to take it. 60. Let me think this through. I think we're going to take it 66 to 61. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, and I think it's going to be tight. Uh, and I'll be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Georgetown leads the game at some points. Uh, it's going to be one of those games where you're pulling your hair out and you're extremely frustrated. But at the end of the day, our senior leadership, our experience and our talent is going to pull ahead. I think that's that's my prediction. Yeah. Well, you heard it from Joe. Next up, Armin Haratunian, I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, from the Tom Thompson's Towel student at Georgetown. He's going to be joining us to break things down from that side. So make sure you stay tuned for that one. And make sure you're, you're following Joe on Twitter. Make sure you donate to our charity, and we will be, uh, we'll be back in a moment. Go Friars. Welcome back to The Flex. I'm here. This is Matt St. Jean with Armin Haratunian. He is a student down at Georgetown, a contributor at Thompson's Towel. Met him back at Big East Media Day. Awesome guy. Welcome to the show, Armin. Thanks for having me. Excited Happy to, have to be you here. here. Yeah, we want to get a little a little Georgetown perspective on this matchup. 6.30 at the dunk this Wednesday night. And uh, Georgetown, I believe, is, is not going to be favored in this one. Hoyes have no. been off oh, a, a rough start I don't think to the so, season. <laughs> What uh, what's it been like covering the Hoyas this year? I'd say it's been a bunch of ups and downs. Um, you know, I don't think anybody had the highest of expectations coming into the year. And as low as those expectations might have been, I think we've met them pretty well to the extent that it's it's all over the place. I mean, you'll have a good game and then followed it, followed it up with a uh, rather mediocre performance. So we've been all over the place. Uh, Hoyas at six and five so far this year. The best win is that win over Syracuse a couple weeks ago at home. I know you were there for that one. How is the environment? Uh, it was unlike anything I have seen at Capital One Arena in a very long time. It kind of brought us back to the old Big East days when uh, Syracuse was actually, uh, dare I say, relevant. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> 
you know, it, it was really fun because I know at least for the students, um, we didn't really have much expectations coming into that game. Again, a year of minimal expectations. And we just went going in and having a good time, hoping that, you know, we'd have a somewhat respectable uh, result. And we came out with a win. And I know it really made everybody kind of shift their perspective a little bit on this year because, hey, any year that you beat Syracuse as a Georgetown fan, it's a good year. Yeah, that's a success right there. I think that and you're fighting for everybody in the Big East with that one. We all we were all rooting for Georgetown to knock off Syracuse there. So thank you for getting that one done. On the flip side, you do have home loss to Dartmouth in the season opener. You lost at home to TCU the last time out. So, yeah, like you said, there have been some hiccups. But I want to talk about some of the bright spots on this team. It's the one the one big thing that stood out for Georgetown before the year. Aminu Muhammad, the only top 100 recruit on this roster, is 21st in the nation, preseason freshman of the year for the Big East. Has he lived up to your expectations? You know, I think he has lived up to it and exceeded those expectations. I, I mean, whenever you have a five star, you kind of expect a lot. Um but especially with the way this roster is built, I think he has just done an amazing job uh, doing what he can do to help us win whatever games we can win, I guess. Um, you know, he is just one of those players who gives 110% effort on every play. I think he is the best rebounding guard I've seen for Georgetown, maybe ever. Um, you know, he's, I, I don't know exactly what he's averaging right now, but uh close to a double-double a game. He's one of those players that you can depend on, you know, play in and play out. He's uh, just a great guy to have on the roster so far. And he has definitely helped his team win some of the, I mean, that Syracuse game, I'd say without him, it would not have even been close. So he's just done some things for this team that without him, I mean, we'd be lost. Muhammad, he, is, he leads the Big East right now in rebounds per game as a guard. Obviously, a big guard. He's six foot five, but that is seriously impressive from a freshman, nonetheless. Yeah, no, so, yeah, there, that, there, are certain, there are certain times when he's out there and uh, he'll shoot a shot, maybe not the best shot in the world, but he'll shoot it and he will be the first one to that rebound. He always follows up his shots, um, never takes a playoff. So he's the kind of guy that adds to the, you know, the team in more way than just one. No. Speaking of freshmen, I want to shift it over to the uh, to the front court here. Ryan Matumbo, obviously quite a bit of name recognition, was brought in in theory to be the backup to Kudus Wahab. And then Wahab goes this offseason. He leaves for Maryland. So Matumbo thrust into a bigger role than you would expect. And now Timothy Egoefe, one of your other centers, he's out with that hand injury. So Matumbo planned probably a lot more than you guys expected uh, when he was recruited. How has he looked? Well, so, you know, the centers coming into the season were always going to be a big question mark. Um, we had transfer Trey King expected to play, who sadly due to, I mean, the reason is currently unknown, um, but he was left off the final roster. Um, so he had, you know, Ryan Matumbo has, I think look as expected. Um, we knew that he's a big kid. Offensively, he's decent. He's got a good outside, you know, game. But as we know, with especially with freshmen and freshman bigs, it's very hard to adjust to 
NCAA play right away, especially when you're in a conference like the Big East. And I know we're just getting started with Big East play, but like conference where it's a little more physical, it's a little tough for him. Um, it's been tough for him so far, but he's getting there. It, it's a game by game basis with these guys. And he's one of those players who's slowly developing. I, I don't think anybody expected him to, you know, come in first season and give you, you know, 12 and eight uh, on a night in and night out basis, but he is definitely showing improvements offensively, defensively, he's getting there. Um, but w- what it has done is it's forced Patrick Ewing to kind of change up his lineup a little bit. It's made him go small sometimes because obviously we don't have that stable presence in the middle of the uh, middle of the court. So it, it's kind of changed up the game plan. It's almost helped his team because it makes him a little more versatile. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at this lineup and when you think of Georgetown, that's kind of synonymous with big men and playing that tough brand of Big East basketball. And now you got a bunch of small ball this year, just kind of out of necessity. But one area where it's working is from beyond the three point line, because, oh, my goodness, hey, Caden Rice, he shoots a lot and he hits him. <laughs> it's, leads, you know what? That leads the Big East and threes hit. So I am call it a little bipolar on my view of Caden Rice because one game he'll come out and he'll, you know, make 10 three pointers, right. Setting a school record. He went 10 for 12 against, uh, I believe against UMBC. And then the next game he comes out and shoots, you know, 0 for 10. So it's, it's all over the place, but that's where this team really finds ways to, you know, beat down on their opponents is if Caden Rice and Donald Carey are, shooting the three ball well, it's very hard to defend against them because you have it coming from multiple directions and rather efficiently, if they're shooting well, it comes rather efficiently. I mean, Donald Carey is a very efficient three-point shooter. Caden Rice, the guy puts up some wild shots. Sometimes they don't go in, but when they do go in, I mean, they go down in big moments. There was a, actually in the Syracuse game, uh, a minute 11 left. They were down by, I think, two points. And Caden uh, Rice gets the ball on the three-point line, you know, hand in his face and makes a big three. So it's it's the only thing keeping this team in games currently. And it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to see because it's very dangerous and really electrifying. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's very much live by the three, die by the three with Georgetown this year. 18th in the country right now in three-point shooting percentage, which is impressive. And then... I mean, to a large extent, they're getting it done with just two guys, with Rice and Carey. Caden Rice, he hits 4.3 threes per game. Donald Carey hits 2.4. Nobody else hits more than one three-pointer per game. Mahalo well, yes. probably so, get one. Dante Harris will probably get you one. But So the funny thing with Caden Rice is we're kind of on Georgetown record watch with him because he's already broken a single-game record. But Allen Iverson currently holds the uh, – the season long made threes uh, record with 87 makes and Caden Rice is on pace to beat that record in like the next five games or something like that. Like he already has 43 made threes this year. Exactly. He's, he's at just shooting at such an absurd clip that that record is, I wouldn't even say his to lose at this point because if he lost it, something horrible has to happen. It means so, somebody got hurt or yeah. exactly. 
so you know he's he's in a position where he's uh he's putting his name down in uh in georgetown record and georgetown lore whether we love it or not with this team the way this team plays his name is going to be there it's absolutely impressive just to see somebody shoot at that rate on that high of a volume you just you don't see that that often so i definitely want to appreciate what caden rice is doing and I think that's a really interesting matchup for this Friars-Hoyas game. We know Providence, they like to sit back in the zone sometimes on defense, and the way to beat the zone is you got to shoot your way out of it. From the outside, Georgetown has the guys to do it. Do they have – do you think that Georgetown has the guys to beat Providence man-to-man on defense, though? See, this is what scares me about this matchup is, as we talked about with the centers – See, when you have Nate Watson on the inside, it's going to be very difficult to match up against him, um, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, because, I mean, Malcolm Wilson is, I, I, he's one of the more agile big men that I've seen in a while, but it doesn't mean he's going to be able to, you know, do any damage in there. Um, it all depends on, I think, Dante Harris, personally, because he was hurt against TCU, so he didn't play. But if he's able to distribute the ball and create offense off the dribble, it's it's going to make it a lot easier for the shooters to get open. Um, and same thing with Aminu Muhammad. Aminu Muhammad is the definition of a slasher. If he can get into the lane and draw kind of help to the inside, then it's going to make it a little easier for those three-point shooters, you know, the Caden Rice and Donald Carries, to get open on the outside. But if you know, those guys aren't doing what they need to do, kind of drawing guys, the defenders of Providence defenders to them. It's going to be a very rough game for Georgetown. I'm just going to be very blunt with it. (laughs) And I think this is, it's not a Georgetown team that matches up particularly well with Providence in the half court when things are set up. But I know the Hoyas like to go faster this year. So I think their path to victory in this one is going to be to try to force those turnovers, play quickly, play in transition and get the shots early take the shots that they want to shoot. That's exactly it. I mean, when you have such a, you know, obviously their strength is their guard play this year. When you have such good guards, you have to kind of push the pace, right? And so if Georgetown really wants any sort of, I guess, just chance to keep this game close, they're going to have to push the pace. They're going to have to play in a way that won't let Providence get set on defense. I think that that's a big thing. And we saw that in the Syracuse game. They really played their best when they were pushing up the court and not allowing Syracuse to get back into that zone so they could, you know, find mismatches and exploit them and hopefully find open guys on the three-point line and make those shots. Yeah, and I think that's – this is an area where the Friars have struggled in some ways. They, they've gone up against some teams that have really knocked down threes against them. Obviously, the Friars still won, but it's a lot different when it's Fairfield doing that against you than if it's Georgetown, because Georgetown has the, the talent to play with you in a way that Fairfield doesn't. So if the Hoyas are able to knock down those shots and get going with some momentum, they might be able to put pressure on the Friars. I think that's definitely the, the matchup to watch for in this one when it comes to Georgetown's offense. But for this Friars offense, what do you think Patrick Ewing is going to draw up against Nate Watson, against Ed Croswell, against Noah Horkler, these big men in the paint? To be honest, I I don't know if Patrick Ewing has the pieces to defend against, you know, all those different bigger guys. I I think 
he'll definitely Patrick Ewing is going to rely on Colin Holloway and Malcolm Wilson a lot. Colin Holloway has kind of come onto the scene this year and shown that he can at least produce at a decently high level, but that he's more of an offensive minded player, but they're going to need those two players, you know, uh, Wilson and uh, Holloway to really step up down low because Patrick Ewing has been kind of getting a little success out of playing smaller, but you cannot play small against this province lineup. It's just not going to work out. So they're just going to have to find a way to literally do whatever they can to just limit the damage. It's at this point, it's not stopping the damage. And I want to make this abundantly clear that this is not going to be a defensive minded game. Um, It's going to have to be, you know, Georgetown is going to just make it difficult for Providence to score. And then they have to just have answers the entire way. The best defense is offense in this case for Georgetown. Yeah, I agree. And I think if this ends up being a slow defensive battle, that tilts in the Friars' favor big time. I mean, just if I were a betting, if I want you to know, if I were a betting man and this were to turn out to be a slow defensive game, I will put my college tuition on Providence, whatever <laughs> that spread may be. Because, I mean, Georgetown has slowly gotten better. And, and this is something, this is kind of a trend over you know, the non-conference schedule so far that Georgetown started very slow. And this happened last year too. And as these play, the, you know, the, the newcomers, since we've had a lot of turnover the past couple of seasons, um, as the newcomers start to buy into the system, get a little more comfortable with what's going on with the players around them, um, you know, they start to get a little better defensively, especially, but it's not a defensive team. And also, my joke with Georgetown is if there is someone who has just a chance to get hot from three, they're going to get it you know, hot from three. And Georgetown is going to have no way of defending that every single game. There's one player who is going to shoot well from three because Georgetown just does not know how to defend the three pointer at least. Well, so it's uh, it's not going to be a defensive game. And that that in particular does not bode well for you guys with AJ Reeves yeah. coming off of a player of the he got honors this week after 16 points knocked down four threes at UConn. Oh, so yeah, having guys what, like what, that. Jared, Bynum what's uh, Providence's record? I saw you tweeting about this uh, mm-hmm. when AJ Reeves makes four three pointers. I think about 11 and one or something like that. Yeah, I know why you want me to bring this up because you know what the one loss is, don't you? I do, I do, and I yeah, just that was, that to, is a, uh, it was at Georgetown that. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk it up. But you know that that kind of goes <laughs> to show, like you're gonna have your three point shooters going, and I guarantee he's gonna, or not guarantee, but I have a very good feeling that he's gonna have a pretty good game from deep. But Georgetown has to find answers to that. And their answers are going to be walking down after you score a three. We're going to have their mentality mind coming into game. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be an interesting test for both teams. I know from the Providence side, there's a feeling that this shouldn't be particularly close. Is that your perspective on this no. as well? I just <laughs> considering looking at how these teams match up. If Georgetown is able to keep it within, call it five to eight points, I think it's a success. If Georgetown does not get completely run off the court, I think it's, you know, not a complete failure. 
it's it, this is one of those years where if Georgetown looks competitive, I think it's going to be a good game, like a good game from our perspective, from the Georgetown perspective. But I, I would, you know, wager a lot on the fact that Providence is going to just come out on top and they're going to play that Ed Cooley style basketball that, you know, Georgetown probably will not be able to answer. And he's he's had Georgetown's number at the dunk for a while now. Friar six and one in their last seven games against Georgetown at the dunk. Do you know the, what happened in that last game? The uh, the Friars or the Friars Georgetown game at the dunk. Do you know when that was? Oh, uh, when was it? No, was it three years ago now? Two years ago? December of 2019, New Year's Eve 2019. Oh wow. That's wow. how long it's been since these teams met at the Dunkin' Donut Center. Didn't play in Providence last year. Just had the one meeting because of COVID. And it's funny. You go through the lineups from that game. The starting five for Georgetown in that one. Terrell Allen, Jagan Mosley, Jamorco Pickett, Javon Blair, and Omer Yurt7. Oh, what, what a great year that was. <laughs> a lot has changed since then. Timothy Eagle was the only guy on the roster right now for Georgetown that was on that team. That played yes. in that game. Uh, just, just a testament to the high amount of turnover that we've had on this Georgetown roster. Um, but no, I, I think that this year it's going to be a, it, it's going to be a fun game. I think just all these Big East games, while it might not be too competitive in the end, it's going to be a good showing for both teams. Uh, having Dante Harris hopefully back is going to make it a little more competitive. But you know, it's going to be fun. That's all it is. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a good one. Remember, 6.30 at the dunk this Wednesday. It'll be on Fox Sports 1. Make sure you're tuned in. Armin, I'll let you kind of plug yourself here. Where can the people find you? Uh, it's at Armin Heratunian on Twitter. Um, tough name. I'm sorry. but uh, We'll, we'll tag Twitter, you in the tweet. You can just perfect. click the link there. Perfect. No, that makes it so much easier. And uh, at Thompson's Towel, where you can find all my uh, – all my good reporting on Georgetown and also listen to my podcast. If you have any interest in Georgetown basketball, uh, the towel a Georgetown basketball podcast brought to you by Thompson's towel. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah, definitely make sure to go check out his stuff, quality work over there. So get on it. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you're following us as well. Um, yeah, go Friars. And we'll talk to you after the game. Hey, boys, thank, you for joining us. thank you for having me.